I was thinking about what to share, and I was in the bedroom, and I was just praying about it, and I just reached over and opened the, uh, the bottom drawer of my bedside table, and there was three CDs in there, and they were from Tom. I, you know, they didn't have that label on it, so I'm assuming Bonnie ran them off and gave them to us. And I was thinking about talking about seeking God, and the title on it was Guidelines for Seeking God. And it was from Brother Tom, and the date on it was November 2003. I said, I don't remember these. And so I listened to it and I realized I had never heard it because Liza and Jane and I were in Texas after for Brett's plane crash. I'd never heard them and I'm sure Bonnie ran them off, said, here, these were while you were gone, but I never heard them. Anyway, as I listened to him, you know, he was talking about seeking God and I was really touched. It really sat right in my spirit like this is something I might want to look into. And he was talking about what was going on here. You know, you all were kind of seeking God on Brett's behalf and the prayer meetings you have. I kind of forget what all that was going on. And then so I've been working on that. And then this last Thursday night uh, during prayer meeting, Greg asked Tom Skaggs to finish in prayer. And when he finished in prayer, you didn't know this, but you kept saying, seeking God, that we're seeking God, praying about seeking God. And I thought, thank you, Lord. This is what I'm supposed to talk about. So let's pray. Father, in these next few minutes, we just ask you to be present and be a voice for us, Lord, that we can hear, that we can understand. And I pray for ears and hearts, my heart, my ears to to hear what you want to say to us, Lord, and I pray that it uh, comes out of my voice in an understandable and a productive way. And I, I Father, I just pray that we'll all be attentive and we'll, we'll hear your voice this morning. Know that when we left that we've been in your presence. That's our desire, Lord. So come now and, and uh, be present with us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So what I'm going to uh, share this morning is hung on the framework of that series that, that uh, Brother Tom preached here 14 years ago. In a sense, I've kind of repackaged it. But I think it's just as current now as it ever has been. You know, it was born out of a need we had. And I think seeking God is off, off, all seeking God is often the result of experiencing a need, a difficulty, a circumstance that we don't have any power over. Something bigger, bigger than us. You know, I think many of us are here today and can think of a situation in your life or a need that is bigger than you are. And there are many examples in Scripture of God wanting, of Him asking His people to seek Him. And many times in the same verse, you know what it says, you will find me. And I believe when we do find Him, we will be in a position, in a position to, re to receive understanding and comfort because of these circumstances, the difficulty that initiated our search in the first place. Now, I'm not saying that nobody here is seeking God. That's not what I'm saying. And um, believe me, I'm not the example. <laughs> You know, like Caleb taught, when you taught, you said, you know, God deals, whoever speaks up here, God deals with you first. Twice I said, Lord, I can't preach this. <laughs> but, but he said, if I would wait on the perfect person to get up and preach, there would be no preaching. So, I'm a sojourner in this with you. A definition I'm going to give so that you know that what I'm referring to of seeking his face, it means to follow, diligently search, inquire, and it also means to worship. Do we worship in a way that says to God, we are seeking you? Not to get anything, but to be in your presence, to know your ways better. Because this is when he says, seek my face, face means his presence. Seek my presence, diligently seek 
my presence. The seeking I'm referring to is not seeking, is not the seeking that people who attribute to attending church. I seek the Lord. I was in church this Sunday. I've got my 24 gold stars because I haven't missed a Sunday school in 34 years. That's not the seeking I'm talking about. I was even at prayer meeting this week. It may include that, but that's not what I'm referring to here. When you have a serious issue to be resolved, that's not going to cut it. It's about finding the pearl of great price. Being present in a church service is not the pearl. A church service may lead you to the water, but it's not the water. It is about the lost coin, but showing up is not the coin. It is about the treasure in the field, but the meeting is not the treasure. I'm referring to that need in your heart of hearts, that thirst that only a relationship, only seeking his face, only seeking his presence can bring calm and bring that peace. And I'm not talking about a monastic, ritual-ridden, religious relationship, but one of joy, peaceful contentment, green pastures, a confident in your step, a smile on your face is the kind of relationship that I'm talking about. A one-on-one, face-to-face relationship, kind of like what is said about Moses in Psalm 103, and you know it. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. Moses wanted God's ways. The people wanted God's things. That was the difference. We all know that God promised us things, right? But there's something more. That is not the end in itself. Wouldn't it be great if at the end of the year, and we'll probably do it again this year, John, right before our pizza dinner, John asked, what are you thankful for? What if uppermost on our hearts was, I had a closer walk with the Lord this year, rather than, and I'm not saying I'm thankful for all those things, that's not what I'm saying. If, but if the first thing that came to us was, I saw God's face this year in a different way, in a deeper way than I have before. <clears throat> I, I think we would, we would say he made me to understand his deep ways, his deep love, his deep mercy, and his deep caring hand. I heard David Wilkerson preach on this, um, and he used Psalms 27. Psalm 27, I'm going to read in Psalm 27, the first eight verses. I'm going to read this. This is David, and it's pretty self-explanatory, but the enemy is encamped round about him. And in that situation, he said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion or protected place. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall mine hand be lifted up above mine enemies round about me, Therefore will I offer in, this, in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. 
Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, Seek ye my face, seek my presence, my heart said unto thee, Thy presence, thy face, Lord, will I seek. David was the king. And you were to think that a king had everything that he needed, everything that he wanted, all he had, and still something was missing. When the enemy came against him, and this happened a lot in his life, and I think we can say it happens in our life, we feel like our enemy comes us against us a lot, and, and he has. He said one thing in the midst of all this, one thing have I desired. The enemy is encroached all around him. He could have said, the one thing I need is more men. I need more warriors. One thing I need, I need more weapons. If I just had a little more money, if I had a, just a few more blessings, more room in my house. If I just had a nicer car, then I would be happy, fulfilled. Or he could have said negatively, one thing I need is less trials. One thing I need, less enemies, less temptations, less pressure. I'm tired of seeing the enemy encamped about me. He said, one thing I desire and that's your presence. And as John taught the other night, we're, all, we're always going to have the enemy confronting us, tempting us, accusing us. We will always be at war. David knew the, temporal, David knew the temple rituals and the sacrifices. It says earlier, he said he prayed seven times, to, seven times a day. I've been to church but my soul is still cast down. David went to church, but his cry was to see the beauty of the Lord. In verse 4 it says, to know the Lord. When he was in the tabernacle, it's something more than attendance. There was something he was after. John also has been warning us of subtle deception. He mentioned it several times, in the church and out of the church. A deception is no threat unless you have a void in your life that's yearning to be filled. If you spend enough time, if we spend enough time in front of Jesus, in his presence, and partake of what he feeds us, you know, when something different come along, comes along to eat, I think we'll recognize it for what it is. If your relationship with Jesus and his truth is an all-fulfilling one, if, you, if, if his truth is an all-fulfilling one, you have found the pearl of great price. I don't think deception will have a strong pull on you. I think a red flag will go up. You know, I have cattle in my place. I didn't say they're my cattle, but I have cattle on my place. And as long as I keep them fed, keep them watered, keep hay in front of them, my fences are secure. But if they get hungry, if I'm late on getting them, you know, if they're hungry, they start walking the fences. I'd better make sure my electric fence is working because they're going, they're going to look. Do you or do I have a satisfying walk with the Lord that we're not walking the fences? And I'm talking about our relationship. I'm not talking about these four walls. Is David's cry our cry? Is there one thing that we desire? Is what you're doing, your life today, your relationship meeting your hunger for the things of God? Mark 13, 4 to 6, speaks of a wandering from the truth. A wandering, not wandering. Tell us when these things shall be, and what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? 
And Jesus answered them by saying this, Take heed, lest any man shall deceive you. That means roaming from the truth. For many shall come in my name. In my name must be in the church. Saying, I am the Christ and shall deceive many. Many will say, well, this is what Jesus is like. And the person over here says, no, this is what he's like. And the, the radio says, no, this is what he's like. YouTube says, no, this is what it looks like. It just brings confusion. We've been taught well, Jesus will look exactly what his word says he looks like. The face of Jesus is nothing other than what's between these two covers. That has always got to be our rock. Many religions in the world have places to go to seek that of which they worship. The Hindus go to the Ganges River, and they dip in that dirty, polluted river, and they think that it cleanses them from their sins and purifies their soul. The Roman Catholics go to Rome for a chance to see the Pope, hopefully get a chance to, for, to receive a blessing from him. I have a customer. They, I, I forget if they got married or if he married them. Is that possible? Can the Pope marry people? Well, they went over there either to get married. Yeah, you got to have enough money, right? Okay, they went all the way over to have the Pope bless their marriage. And I thought, Wow, that's kind of high, kind of high, high up there. The Muslims have their uh, pilgrimages, pilgrimages to Mecca. Millions go there every year, and when they get there, they kiss the black stone in the center. They go around it seven times, counterclockwise. You got to go counterclockwise. I don't know why that is, or why they do that, but they're seeking their. God. They're seeking a relationship with their God, I guess for they're seeking obedience or a better afterlife or something. They are all seeking. They are all seeking. Where does the true God dwell? He dwells in his people's hearts. We don't have to travel around the world. Our hearts is where God communes with us. We need to learn how to hear him. I want to start by two different uh, scriptures, and you can turn to these. The first is Deuteronomy 4. Deuteronomy 4, and I'm going to read, um, this is Moses talking to the children of Israel before they went into the promised land. I'm going to start at verse, well, he talks about them being scattered because of their uh, disobedience. In 29, but if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, and from thence, he's saying, when you are outside at that place, thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him if thou seek him with all thy heart, with all thy soul. When thou art in tribulation, and all these things are come upon you, and then this phrase, even in the latter days. That just really struck me. Moses was talking to, before they got into the promised land, he's talking about when you're in tribulation, even in the latter days. If you turn to the Lord thy God and shall be obedient unto his voice, for the Lord thy God is a merciful God, he will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swear unto thee. I believe we're in the latter days, and I believe that we're experiencing some tribulation. We've got that promise, the Lord will not forsake us. Also, I want to turn to Jeremiah 29. And I'm going to kind of skip around. Jeremiah 
And Jeremiah is talking to the exiles. Jeremiah 29 and verse 1. Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captives and to the priest and to the prophets and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. So these are the captives that have been, you know, their city has been destroyed. They have taken to Babylon. This is who he's talking about. Verse 4, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives. And then this phrase, Whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. This was not their idea. This was God's idea. And then in that, in that situation, and we all know this, verse 11, 12, and 13. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. He is saying this in the midst of their captivity, a place where they, we, don't want to be. It wasn't their idea. It was God's idea. In the midst of this, he says, I have thoughts of peace and not evil. To give you hope in the latter end. I see three things happening. They are in a predicament they don't want to be in. Check. I'm there. God is saying, seek me in your predicament. I can do that. Number three, God is going to bring peace and an expected end. And I think that expected end is a good thing. We're believing for that. So my first point is we need to seek God on his terms. He says here, with all your heart. I think of priorities when I think of all your heart. How many times do we read in Scripture the phrases put together, seek the Lord with all your heart? That also implies to me that you can do it and your heart really isn't in it. How many believe you can seek God and not do it in faith? Well, I'm supposed to do such and such. I better, yeah, I'm supposed to, you know, I'm supposed to do this and this. Oh, I didn't read my five. Oh, yeah, I'm supposed, yeah. That's not really with all your heart. Have you ever seen somebody shop with all their heart? When I think of that, I think of Black Friday. They get up at 2 o'clock in the morning. Not that I've ever seen anybody do this. They get up at 2 in the morning. They get dressed up, they go out in the cold, go to the mall. When they get there, there's a line out the door, down the hall, and around the corner. That's shopping with all your heart. Every year you hear on the news people grabbing things out of someone else's hands. That's mine. I'm, I'm not going to be denied. I'd say that's with all your heart. They're serious about shopping. Or when season tickets go on for your favorite sports event, I hear of people camping outside the door for days to spend the money for a two-hour event. <laughs> Not that I know of anybody who's ever done that. I think I just heard about that for the last Super Bowl. You know, there was a time when people wanted to get a seat so bad to hear the word, they would sit in the snow for two hours. If you're from where I come from, the owner of the building had goats. They would come and they would occasionally jump on you if you were sitting there. 
People would be in line wrapped up in a blanket. It didn't matter. People drove for two hours to sit in the snow, didn't we? We would get our place in line and then send somebody for donuts and they'd bring the donut. It was great. Did that make us more spiritual? <coughs> Probably not. But I bring it up because there was a thirst. There was a thirst there. You know, and I know, I know this body you met in some unique places. You know, I was never at the place when Tom said he had to stand. There was a wall in the center and a group on this side and a group on this side. Or when he had to preach under a Boy George poster behind him. Were you guys, was everybody saying, this is so ridiculous. Why do we have to, I bet that didn't even cross, you were, we were hearing the word. That's what, that was more important than, it was just, that, that was the time. Brother Tom said in that sermon that God speaks to his body when they meet together. He has a word for them. Are we listening? None of us would miss a meeting if we believed that. If we believed God has a word. I'm not talking about some of you don't drive at night and some of you come just, that's not what I'm talking about. I don't think any of us would miss a meeting if we believed that God was going to speak to us. Is being here important to us? Do we have a take it or leave it attitude? He gives answers when we meet. Maybe your prayer for John as he prepares for messages is your answer. Or to, the, to a question that you have or a need that you have. Brother John spends a lot of time in the word to bring it. Are we soaking it up? Are we prepared to hear it? Are we even here? I'm not going to go into being here on time. Or am I? No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> so many times during a conversation with someone, something comes up that they're going through. And, um, and the answer comes in a message. And I look around, and they're not here. That happens a lot. On January 14th, on Sunday morning, Megan, you stood in that door and you gave a testimony. You didn't know it, but it was exactly what I needed to hear. It was exactly what I've been struggling with. It was a Oh, God, you know that I'm going through this moment. She didn't prepare for that. But it was one of those times when God spoke. I mean, I was so glad that I was here. If there wouldn't have been a sermon that morning, the morning would have been worth it. We could have went home. God's presence just dropped in there like, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. Don't neglect saying something that's on your heart. If you don't have, you don't have to know who it's for. If you feel God nudging you to say something, don't try to figure it out. Oh, no one would want to hear that. Oh, who wants to listen to that? Sometimes sharing your victory in a struggle that you've had is what you are to share. The gifts are not only for sharing some deep revelation from God with tempests blaring and everybody falling on their face. God still speaks in a small voice. And God can speak to you from somebody, with somebody else's voice. If God sets you here, it's ridiculous in my way of thinking that he wouldn't feed you here. God is near to us when the word is being taught. Are we listening? Were you here? Were you here in body only? I believe that the word we hear is the single most important way God teaches us who he is. It is the most information we receive to point us to his face, to his presence, 
to who God is. When we gather together, we should have a mindset that God will speak to us. And with that is the question, am I listening for that voice? Am I listening for that answer? Am I dialed in? Is there something in my life that prevents me from hearing the voice of the Lord? Is it important to me to hear the voice of the Lord? Which leads me to the second point. <clears throat> Let's turn to Hosea 10. Well, you don't even, I've got it. You don't even have to, I've got it here written down here. <clears throat> and we all know it. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. It says, break up your fallow ground. This passage is referring to a farmer that goes out, plows a field. Does he plow it and then walk away and leaves it and forgets it? Why did he even plow it in the first place? He's preparing the ground to receive seed to the end result of a harvest. It's the same theme that we see a lot in scripture. You know, the principle of sowing and reaping. A farmer starts preparing his field to get a harvest by plowing the ground. He continues to work the ground by disking it, by dragging it, by color packing. He's trying to break up the big clods for one reason. Why? So that the seed will make contact with the dirt. That's the only reason he goes over it. I, believe it or not, I grew up on a farm. I've been on tractor hours and hours and hours. That's what we did. In a farmer's world, the preparation of the soil takes much more time, sweat, and effort than it does planting the seed. John just said in a message that prayer is work. If you don't know that prayer takes effort, you haven't been praying. After the seed is planted, he can do nothing to the seed except protect it and feed it. All the growth comes from within the seed and the roots. Okay, so let's look at the spiritual implication. Our responsibility is to prepare our hearts to receive the, word of the, the seed of the word. God's responsibility and promise is to drop that seed in our heart and to give the increase. Amen. We see in verse, um, in our verse in Hosea 10, for it is time to seek the Lord. When? Till he comes. Uh-oh. That involves time that we have so little of. We'll get to that issue later. But the image here is that of a harvest or fruit coming later, at a later time than at the time of the preparation of the soil. You know, Jane plants a garden every spring. After she plants, does she come in the house quick and rush and wash the cans and get ready for? No, <laughs> she takes care of that. Harvest is at a different time than the planting. All that a farmer can do while he's waiting is to protect the seed. He keeps the weeds from crowding out the life of the seed, and he waters the seed. Of course, we know the reference in the New Testament referring the word in our hearts to seed in good soil. The effect or the end result of the seed or the word is dependent on the condition of the soil. The effect of the word that comes from this place is dependent on our hearts, on our soil that we have either prepared or not prepared. In the parable of the sower, the sower is the same, the seed is the same, but the soil, our heart, is the only thing that's different. The difference is a hard, distracted heart cannot receive the word, and doesn't care if it doesn't. A prepared heart wants the seed. It says, come, grow, germinate here. 
live here. That's the difference. I think stirring up and preparing our heart are both parts of seeking God. And point number three is seeking God requires time. That little word we have so little of. Being still is not something that we're very good at. And I think in a former time when life wasn't happening so fast, it was easier to take time and to think. Time to ponder and to meditate on the word. You know, it, it used to take more time to get places. Schedules weren't so tight that we always had places to go and deadlines to meet. I grew up around the Amish. And I can hear my children say, oh, no, here we go. But, I, can, but I, I still think that they have such a slow speed to their lives. Not that I want to emulate it, but at the same time, I kind of admire it. You know, they go to town rarely because it takes a lot of time. You know, when we lived in northern Indiana, they would plod <laughs> with their horse and buggies past our place, going about four miles an hour, no radio on, no cell phone, no internet, no texting, no map quest, no Google search, in complete silence except for the rhythmic plodding of their horse's feet. You know, it took all morning to go four miles to town, get what you needed, <laughs> plod back home. For the most part, it appeared to me that they were um, happy and content as they could be. They didn't have a schedule, a time. They didn't have to schedule a time to be quiet. I'll think about that on the way to town. The horse knows the way anyway. They had plenty of time to think and to meditate. How odd does it sound to our ears to say, be busy and know that I am God? It, it, it doesn't even sound right. We know, be still and know that I'm God. Think back over the past week. Was there a time that you can recall that you were still enough to listen? Still before God, just listening. Brother Tom uh, said in that message that sometimes we probably sound like a radio to God. We have our prayer list, we have our request for ourselves, for other people. He tries to talk to us, commune with us, and we never shut up. He said, it's like talking to a radio. And that's exactly what it could be. I'm just going to bring my request. Here's what I've said. I said the same thing yesterday. I'm going to say it again today, and I'll probably say it again tomorrow. And we are, we're, just, we're just doing that ritual. We're not seeking the face of God. It is hard for us to be still. I have one hint. You'll never know where I got this hint. Don't take your cell phone with you into your closet. You will have the uncontrollable urge to check the weather for next Thursday, which you have no reason to care what it's going to do next Thursday. You want to know how I know? You know. <laughs> we need to find our closet. It may be a literal closet. It may be the woods. It may be on a walk. It may be in a chair. It may be in a log like Bevington. Sometimes it took him a week to get still enough to hear what God wanted to say to him. I can't even imagine that. We got to go there. And often. I think almost everyone who saw God do amazing things in their lives had a testimony of time alone with God. Now, do I think we have to spend days in a hollow log? Probably not. But I think being in his presence is somewhere between where we are and that. And it may be that. 
Lamentations 3, 25 to 26 says, The Lord is good to them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. God speaks to us when we're alone. Maybe that's why some don't take the time. Maybe they don't want to know what he's going to say. I don't know. God deals with us when we listen. When we're alone, when we're with God, you know. You know when he talks. Fourth point is seeking God must be done in faith. Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That word used in that verse, diligently and seek, is the exact same Greek word in the concordance. It means to search out, investigate, seek after. But that verse that says you must believe that he is, it implies that you can seek God and not be in faith. Do we have the audacity to, audacity to say, I believe you're going to reward my seeking you out? That's your faith speaking. That's what we're expecting. How does he reward you? That's my fifth point. If you seek me, you will find me. Back to our verse in Deuteronomy 4. <clears throat> But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. I also want to turn to 2 Chronicles 15. And we're going to skip around. Verse 2. And he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. Verse 4. But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord, God of Israel, and sought him, he was found of them. Verse 12, and they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart, with all their soul, that whatsoever, that whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death. Aren't you glad we're not under that law? Whether small or great, whether man or woman, and they swear unto the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting, with trumpets, with cornets. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with their whole desire, and he was found of them. And the Lord gave them rest round about. When the one we seek wants to be found, do you know how easy it is to find him? Have you ever played or seen kids play hide and seek? with someone who wanted to be found? The game doesn't last very long, does it? He wants us to find him. It's a great combination. He said, if you seek me, I will be found. Does he hide? What? It doesn't even, that doesn't even sound right to our ears. If you seek me, I will be found. He doesn't hide from us. The only thing that keeps us from finding him is sin. We seek for something he wants us to find. Another thing that I think benefits us when we seek the Lord is that the church, the body, benefits. If you seek the Lord, I benefit. If I seek the Lord, you benefit. 
we'll be more in tune with the Spirit and be able to minister by the Spirit to each other when we're together. Or know when the Lord wants us to pray for somebody, even for an unknown problem. You know, I think we all want here, I think we all want to believe that we are a New Testament church. And I'm going to read you some scriptures. You don't have to turn. The first one, and this is, these are all scriptures of what the New Testament church looked like. And I think it's because they were seeking God. In Acts 13, 2, and they ministered, I looked that word up, it means worshipped. So, and they worshipped, ministered to the Lord, and fasted, the Holy Spirit said. Wouldn't it be great if we could say, well, the Holy Spirit told us as a body, boom told us to do, told us to be, told us to go. If we said, well, who told? The Holy Spirit told us that, and we all knew it. Philippians 2.2, 2, Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Romans 12.6, Be ye of the same mind, one toward another. 1 Corinthians 1.10 Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 11 Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect or be mature. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace be with you all. Again, in 1 Peter 3, 8, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren. You know, this is a picture of the New Testament church, and it happened because they were in tune with the Holy Spirit. You know, as it says, ministering or worshiping, the Spirit's work, I believe, will make us one accord. Let's all be in the harness and pull together and not expect just John to do all the work. Let's expect God to show us the needs of the body as we listen to Him. You know, and if he shows you a need, it's usually you that he wants to do it. Why would he show you a need and expect that person over there to fulfill it? Why did he? Why would have he show? Why, you know, he can he can get them to do something else. It may be prayer. It may be financial. It may be a visit. It may be an encouraging word, a call, a text. When I was going through, when I was going through. A text meant so much. I can tell you, everyone who texts me, I don't remember what they said. <laughs> I don't know what they, they probably sent me a verse. But what meant so much is that somebody was thinking, that somebody took the time, somebody took the time while they were plotting on the way to town to send me a text. It was really meaningful. And in closing, I do want to turn to Acts 20. 28. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God. And then this phrase, which he hath purchased which, with his own blood. Are you and am I treating this body as something that is that precious? Do you believe Jesus died for Shelbyville Christian Assembly? Amen. Amen. Is this body, your church body, 
important enough to you to fight for it, to persevere for it, to sacrifice for it. Can we take a little time in our week to pray for it, to nurture it? Is it important enough to you to seek God for it? So I want to go over the points just one more time. I said, seek God on his terms. Break up the fallow ground. Seeking God requires time. I don't know of any other way to get around that. It just does. It must be done in faith. And we have the promise, you will find me. And I guess my encouragement <clears throat> would be to me, to everybody, just start. <laughs> just start. I'm not a big on a ball saying every day I'm going to spend five minutes. I'm just not big on that. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to give a time. I'm not going to give an amount of time. I'm not going to give how many. Let's just start whatever, whatever that means to you, whatever God shows you to do. Let's just start. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Hallelujah. 